At the end of your life, what will be your legacy? What will you leave behind for future generations? For the world, join the world messenger, Isabella Lundberg, each week as she brings you a new distinguished guest from the business, sports, or entertainment world to share their success, their struggles, and their lessons. They will share their insights into current hot topics that affect everyone. Isabella facilitates an intimate, vulnerable environment to find the true value of humanity and real leadership. Are you ready for your legacy? The legacy that matters? Hello, hello, my beautiful friends. It's Isabella Lombard here with the World Messenger, and I'm taking you on an amazing journey for another epic episode of Legacy Leader Show. We're going to be traveling and zooming in right now to Rio de Janeiro and having someone who I absolutely love, respect, and I cannot wait for you guys to hear why, who is being tremendous influencer and impacting people's lives in positive ways on LinkedIn and other social media, helping people to... Uh, be able to voice their ideas and show up in the best light uh, with their content, phenomenal content creator, and then the support of others, but also disruptor, innovator, who can really tell us so much about things that we're still confused about, AI and difference between UBI, I honestly don't have an idea what this means, VAP3, I'm kind of pretty much there understanding that, but how about the tech for good and how do we actually impact positively in all aspects of our lives? So without further ado, let me introduce you to Corey Lopez for a field. Corey, how are you? I'm amazing. How are you? I'm fantastic. It's just super jazzed to have this conversation with you. Obviously, you've been doing so many incredible things, uh, working with uh, great companies and disrupting world <laughs> and metaverse uh, and AI and definitely with so many different aspects. So can you tell me, first of all, how did you even start embracing technology? What was some of the major shifts in your mindset when technology started becoming so um, huge part of our lives that is today? So that's actually a great question I've never been asked before. And the way that I embraced technology was very uh, unorthodox. So I spent most of my adulthood working in restaurants. So I was a bartender, waiter, certified as a sommelier. And getting close to 40 is when I was burnt out. I couldn't do it anymore. Um, I was feeling like a servant in the castle, although I was making fantastic money, it wasn't rewarding. And so I started a technology company predicated on the fact that the data existed to schedule the employees more predictably in restaurants, but the restaurants weren't doing that. So I helped build a software, launched that, scaled that company nationally. And so that was kind of my first foray both in entrepreneurship and into technology. But seeing the machine learning and the deep machine learning algorithms and seeing how data can be used to really help disrupt an industry or a, or a component of an industry was really eye-opening. So when I took my exit from there, I joined Founder Institute um, as a mentor, then a managing director and have helped scale so many startups in every industry. So now I've just understood technology, machine learning, uh, at this point, you know, we're doing things in the afterlife market with AI, um, metaverse as well. So yeah, it really just was exponential. 
Wow. I love how you found opportunities uh, from pain and struggle from others and also your own, like, you know, how do I do things better, smarter? And because we all have a 24 hours in a day, right? And then how do we expand our reach and how do we truly make a more impact? And you've been making tremendous impact for so many people's lives right now. Specifically, I see your presence so strongly defined on LinkedIn, uh, consistency in quality and sharing and supporting and really building from um, ground up influencers that have tremendous message to share. So do you mind sharing how did you merge those two worlds together? Well, I appreciate that. So when I was starting my technology company, I read two books that were seminal for me. They were career changing, life changing. One was The Lean Startup by Eric Reese, And I think most entrepreneurs have read The Lean Startup at this point. It's kind of called the entrepreneur's Bible in certain circles. But, and then I read Gabriel Weinberg, who was the founder of DuckDuckGo. I read his book, Traction. Super mm -hmm. good book, highly recommend it to anybody, especially entrepreneurs and leaders. But in this book, it effectively says there are 12 traction channels only. And if you don't test all 12 of them, you will not know which yours would have or could have been. And mm -hmm. says, don't look at the people in your industry that are doing something similar. They started at a different time and or in a different market and or had different resources, right? And once they've found something that works for them, it's not likely going to work for a competitor either. So you have to try all 12 channels. Then once you've identified your channel, you start digging in and kind of A-B testing and, and fine tuning that channel. So for me, I tested all 12 and it was obviously social media, right? For, for a software company selling into a specific industry. So I, I was doing some kind of light Facebook ads, Instagram ads, that kind of thing, wasn't hitting, got on LinkedIn, did a few posts about it and got some, some of the right attention from the right people. So kind of per the, the foundation and the formula of the book, I was like, okay, I, I tested through to find out it was social media. Now I've tested through to find out that it's LinkedIn. Let me figure this whole thing out. So mm -hmm. I found that LinkedIn ads are super expensive and they're not necessarily as, as effective in all, in all dynamics. For my dynamic, it wasn't gonna be feasible. But so I just started posting about what I was doing, right? Kind of where I came from, I changed my headline to say waiter turned entrepreneur. That started getting a lot of the right people from the restaurant and hospitality industry leaning in. And I got lucky, I think it was six years ago. And People were just starting to use LinkedIn as a social media platform. People were just starting to do videos of themselves. And so I started doing some videos and they started really catching on. And so I got the attention of two of the people at the time that were like fast tracked to a million followers. Um, they both started engaging with me. So that skyrocketed my uh, content. So anyhow, flash forward a few years later when I left Shedmore. I had this great audience. I was going viral. People had been asking me for a year, you know, how are you doing it? How are you doing it? Well, CEO of a tech startup, I was working 20 hours a day, so I didn't have time to barely even answer that question, let alone take time to teach them. But all of a sudden, I found myself with a lot of time on my hands. So now people are saying, how do you do? And I told a few people, I said, oh, I could coach you. Boom. The results were incredible. They're some of the biggest uh, <laughs> accounts on LinkedIn at this point a few years later, but so that's just been something that I've embraced ever since. And even though I have my own two startups now and those take some time, I still coach people because I love it. And I, I kind of feel like I found my zone of genius. 
Mm, I love that. And you definitely are a people person who want to see um, everybody succeeding and thriving that you in touch with and, and exposed to, which is fantastic. And then also a uh, tremendous learning because it appears very simple, very easy, but it's so many nuances and things behind all of this. And it's also uh, interesting how algorithms and these different rules and policies and procedures uh, we have to really understand because we're in an environment where we participate, right? We are not necessarily owning that environment because it's regulated with the specific uh, regulations for the reason. And, and when we're on these platforms, I feel like it's just so important to exude a specific type of behavior. Do you mind sharing as a behavioralist and as the human nature and seeing things, uh, what would you say from human standpoint, how important it is to put things in perspective where we're headed and how important it is to continue to exude certain behaviors that will help us to keep that connectivity going, but also exchanging ideas and grow. Well, I appreciate that. I think there, there's two sides to that conversation. The first is more so just how we show up on the channels mm -hmm. that we choose to show up on. Probably the biggest quote unquote secret to my success and what I really try to instill upon others is being authentic. So if you're not a very nice person, don't try to be very nice. Although maybe try to become a nicer person so that you can be nice, right? But if you're not a very funny person, don't try to be funny. If you don't like cat videos, don't put cat videos, right? It's like all of these little things that people can subconsciously pick up on and just tell someone's living their truth or not. People really gravitate toward and, and, and really resonate with authenticity, right? And so that to me is something a lot of people don't seem to be projecting or prioritizing on social. So those of us that are kind of just showing up as ourselves to you know, network and or, you know, boost others or whatever it is that we're doing, that really seems to help us kind of, you know, be surrounded by the people that we want to be surrounded by. But mm -hmm. on the other side, it's the conversations that need to be having, uh, being had right now. It's, it's not, and, and, <laughs> I, I don't mean to pick, pick fun at anybody and, you know, but it, it's not just about, showing up and being kind or a good boss is someone that cares about their people like cool that's been said for decades and right it's more about like hey technology is going to take 80 percent of our jobs in the next three years what do we do about it <laughs> right or you know ai is starting to be able to replicate any aspect of ourselves from our voices our faces like people that are watching the video of this podcast don't necessarily know that the two digital people that they're seeing aren't digital people right because things aren't on blockchain yet these are the conversations that need to be being had right now. How do we have sources of truth? How do we know what is truly you know, human-generated versus computer-generated? We're about to be in a world of uh, AGI, which is general artificial intelligence, which is basically where the computers are sentient, right? We're entering an wow. age where robotics and exoskeletons and nanobots can literally help people live to be hundreds of years old or fly or be bulletproof or walk if they're paraplegics. And where, where the technology is at right now is so far beyond where most people are, are aware. And so the job of those of us that are aware is kind of just to let people know what's going on. Computers can read our thoughts now. 
right? Like mm -hmm. people don't seem to understand there are about to be AIs that can turn your thoughts into a metaverse or software on demand. Wow. There's, <laughs> there's a new technology that I just shared, a man that had been a paraplegic for 10 years, right? He'd been paralyzed for 10 years, got two implants, one in his brain, one in his spine, and they communicate by interpreting his thoughts. And now he's able to walk. Literally, was 10 years after a motorcycle, didn't take one step. And with two implants that can read his, his thoughts, now the guy can walk. It's, it's a different world. I love um, how you're connecting the dots because so many people have a hard time comprehending. Like they're still having a hard time adapting to social media, social platforms, interactions, how things shifted, how we seek the job or, or build a network or build a business, little alone with all these new technologies, right? And what we don't know, we fear and we resent. And we come up with so many different uh, thoughts about it instead of trying to educate ourselves and learn as quickly as possible so we can position for success. And with what you just said, I love that innovative approach, how technology is serving us for greater good. But there are also risks on the flip side, right? It's the same, it's the same coin with the two different sides of that. But you also mentioned something earlier in the beginning of our conversation, how you also can uh, preserve images and photos in metaverse for someone also that passed away for family members, for generations to come, for their patents, for their uh, discoveries, for their value or whatever it is. Um, do you mind sharing? How do you see this emerging and, and where things are headed? And, and what would you recommend for anybody that is kind of on the fence, not sure what to do or where to start? What would you suggest? Just. Well, so so to to answer the question, and then I'll back into kind of the this more overall subject. But there are things like haptic suits now, where you could feel a hug from someone that's passed away. There's, you know, we're starting to see some quantum computing that lives in the world of potentiality that can reconstruct the past and predict the future. So we can imagine living in a world where we feel the breeze while we're standing in a park with our deceased great-grandmother and they can reconstruct her voice and her life using data points that are available and then reconstructing the rest and it gets smarter as it goes. So we can really imagine a world where we could be skiing with Albert Einstein, right? And we can look to our side and we can hear his voice just, just like he's standing there next to us. So the, the new immersive technologies, augmented realities, things of that nature, we're seeing contact lenses, we're seeing, you know, goggles instead of headsets, and they're really making some huge advancements in that world. So, you know, that's one of the realities that's emerging is a true virtual reality. I think people mm -hmm. hear VR, or virtual reality, and they, they kind of overlook the fact that the R means reality, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. um, it, it does feel like at this point, when you talk about people that are scared or resistant of change, um, a lot of the technologists are saying at this point, the cat's out of the bag. There's AI that can build itself, right? There's, um, mm -hmm. there's really virtually no way unless we were to take sledgehammers and break every machine on, on planet Earth and in our stratosphere that we can kind of reverse what's going on. So at this point, what we can do is we can build safeguards. We can put some rails. We can use blockchain. We can use smart contracts. We can have ethics committees and steering committees and demand oversight into these technologies 
to provide that peace of mind. But ultimately, humans were the engineers of this technology. So it's incumbent upon us to just really make sure that we don't let it get too out of control. And then we just need to be talking about it publicly. And so the people that don't know a lot about the technology, but who engage with my posts, that's my, that's my persona right there, right? They're trying, mm-hmm. right? They might not spend the 10, 20 hours to learn, you know, how to, how to prompt an AI perfectly or what the, all the different AIs that can compress a PDF, or, right? They don't need to spend all the time. They just need to show up with an open mind and be part of these conversations. So I think I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole, but um, feel free to keep me back on the ropes. But I, I think, you know, as long as we're talking about these things and everything's going to be okay. I think it is it's perfect because I'll, I'll, everybody I'm sure will be relating and be able to connect to something, uh, if not to everything, like I'm really dying and hungry to learn more because uh, I, I see a lot of great implications, as you just mentioned earlier, how people that never be able to walk now walking that are being paralyzed and just based on their thought and command that is just happening and their body is moving and, and a lot of uh, things that for a lot of people be like, oh my God, this is creepy. But when you mentioned that you can can, uh, reconstruct past and also that you can recreate uh, and, and create some things and project what's going to happen in the future. Um, it just for a lot of people, it's um, too far out there, right? Because we're so programmed to be predictable and constrained and kind of boxed in, right? With everything that we've seen that happened in the recent 40, 50, 100 years, years took almost away so much of the creativity and opportunity to innovate and opportunity to really think quote unquote outside of the box and then see things from very different perspectives and this is a perfect conversation to depict also how do you see uh, in addition to this technology, obviously affecting other aspects of it, because you are you are Chad GPT, for example. I would love to, if you don't mind, share a little bit about uh, why you lover of uh, Chad GPT. What would you recommend for people, specifically executives of Fortune 500 companies that are struggling to really understand how this can be beneficial for their teams and their organizations, or how do you see? Uh, obviously, AI and UBI uh, working hand in hand with Web3, because all of those things are our reality today. Question is how much we want to put attention to it or not, right? Yeah, so those are all great. And I think there, there are a number of different avenues to go down. So the first I'll talk about is ChatGPT. It amazes me how many executives I speak to that say, oh, it's only pretty good or it doesn't do this or that. No, people aren't using ChatGPT to the fullest of its capability yet. So the most important thing to understand is that it's just like any other assistant or employee. You have to train it. Nobody would expect an employee to be the best employee they ever had day one without training them. You have to train it. It's a model. (laughs) It's literally a large language model. It's a learning model. It needs to be trained. So when people take the time to train their AI, how all of a sudden it starts working better. Well, another thing that people really need to take seriously is prompting your AI. The better Mm -hmm. input, the better output. So when you give it a good persona, right, you need to tell it what persona to be acting as. When you give it enough context and enough data points, there's very little that it can't do. And right now you can play with ChatGPT for free. 
there's uh, no problem with that. But their business model is for $20 a month, you have access to their new chat GPT-4 with all the, the plugins and all the web browsing. And this is where it gets super powerful. So if you know how to prompt your AI and you, you're using it with maybe browser connectivity and you've trained it, you can have it act quite literally as a personal assistant or a market researcher. You can have it write all of your email sales copy. You can have it actually um, giving you a back and forth uh, sales interview so you can get data points on how you, your sales pitch could be more effective. It can create code repositories. You can sync it to your Microsoft Excel or your Google Sheets to your Canva. You can have it generate 100 quote cards about something very relevant to you. You can give it all of the different context and, and the do this, don't do that to make it original. Have it write 100 quote cards, sync it to your Canva and have it make 100 quote cards for your Instagram within 20 minutes for free, right? Like. It's mind-blowing. People used to pay tens of thousands of dollars for social social media marketing team. Your AI can just do everything you wanted them to do, and it can do it instantly, and it can do it, you know, really for $20 a month. It's phenomenal. So that's that's why I'm such a, a big believer in ChatGPT is the better input, the better output, and I've seen incredible outputs, financial models, grant proposals that have been funded for millions of dollars. Um, Right, like the list goes on and on. I have people that use ChatGPT to do their taxes. The, the implications are incredible. And Reed Hoffman has a company called Inflection AI that just released their AI called Pi. It's emotionally intelligent. They want people to use it as like a counselor, advisor, therapist. It's very mm -hmm. easy to talk to. There's so many different GPTs that have come out. JP Morgan Chase just came out with one. Um, right, wow. so there's... Yeah, it's it's amazing. All the AI models that are helping do financial analysts of like stock trading are outperforming mm -hmm. the market typically like 20 to one. So AI wow. has the capability of generating huge wealth. And one of the things that I say to get into the UBI thing is it's fine if technology wants to do all of our jobs for us as long as it doesn't take our paychecks. It doesn't have mm -hmm. bills, it doesn't have needs, it doesn't have to eat food. Right, our technology doesn't need to save up to go on vacation. So if it does all the jobs that generated money, then it just leaves a bunch of money. And now we just need to make sure that things are, are set up properly on a blockchain with smart contracts so that that wealth is redistributed to everybody, right? So it's not just the tech executives that already have billions of dollars that are making the money that they no longer have to spend on employees. There's nothing equitable about that but as long as the money is being redistributed fairly and unconditionally, then I see no problem with it. So we, you know, we've been going into the UBI wormhole for quite some time now. Uh, I have a startup called Uplift that's getting ready to launch some pilots, but we see so many others in the UBI space also just working towards the same goal. And there's none of us are competitive. None of us want to see anyone fail. If 100 companies can all give everybody free money a week or a month, great. Um, but we see everything needing to be on the blockchain. Wow, 
That is so eye-opening. And I love that you use the example from financial institutions because I always hear, oh, we are so highly regulated and there's so many stumbling blocks and we cannot do this. And it's a million like attorney's perspective and this perspective and that perspective. And just to hear that Chase already implemented and created and instituted things and it's going to also impact financial industry and it's going to impact trading. It's going to impact financial algorithms and everything related as you mentioned that analysts will do and that is ex enhancing and expediting and give you a quicker better more accurate portfolio of bloomberg. questions you want to know bloomberg just came out with bloomberg gpt as well so now you've got bloomberg gpt and you've got the chase uh jp morgan gpt we're going to see a lot in the next coming weeks and months um one thing i, I like to, to talk about right now is we're three days away from Apple releasing all of their AI. No one's seen any of Apple's AI yet. I, IBM has been working on AI for over a decade. They're about to start releasing some of their AI. Adobe's AI is amazing. Amazing. NVIDIA just took a trillion dollar market cap for what they're doing in the video game and AI space. Like This is happening in real time. Mm. So everybody watching and listening, guys, if you are so confused and not gaining clarity and traction and not ready to take action, guess what? Corey is your guy because I am going to be taking massive action. This is so exciting and thrilling because it is reason why we live at this time, right? This is like the most amazing opportunity to really face whatever we may fear and be confused about it, get more educated and practically start applying as fast, as quickly as possible. Okay, so what's well, the next? <laughs> very quickly, here's one thing that I love to tell people that aren't as comfortable with AI yet as I am. You can just ask it how to use itself. Mm -hmm. The eye is intelligent, it's smart. So if you don't know how to use it, just ask. Or I'll give an example. If you haven't write a snippet of code and you don't know how to deploy the code, ask it. Okay, great. Now, how do I use this? I'll open up a GitHub repository, right? It'll tell you step-by-step. Step. And with the plugins, there's so much more that it can do. So really at this point, people don't need money to learn AI. They don't need a whole lot of time. They just need to be willing and jump in with both feet. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. So you are covered um, a little bit of that, what I think so many want to know and selfishly myself. So from looking from chat GPT now, AI, but I'm curious, how is this differentiated with UBI? What is the difference and then how UBI come in place? So UBI is the universal basic income or where our twist on it is unconditional basic income. And there have been a number of successful UBI pilots around the world recently, Canada, Finland, uh, Brazil, here in the U.S. The state of Iowa has a big UBI project underway right now. Wow, um, state of Iowa, really? <laughs> and, and interestingly, they call, it, they call it Uplift, just like my UBI project, but theirs is U-P-L-I-F-T. It's not a company, it's just a project, but they're giving... They're giving uh, over 100 families a livable amount of money every month right now, and the data coming back from it is incredible. People are worried mm -hmm. that it'll make everyone lazy, but all of the data from thousands and thousands and thousands of people says, no, it doesn't, right? People are worried it's going to make people feel um, 
like they need a handout. So we say at Uplift, it's not a handout, it's a hand up. We'll give it to everybody. We don't care if you're rich or poor. We don't care if you're going to spend it on charity or alcohol, right? It's unconditional. There's no judgment. Our, our thesis is that there is enough money to go around and we need to make sure that it gets around. So we're plugging into the circular economy and the shared economy and, you know, all kinds of manners of ways that technology can generate more and more income or, or wealth and then using the technology to redistribute it. Mm, that is so powerful. Oh my goodness, Corey. So with, when we look at that, obviously that really changed so much. My brain is just like immediately, immediately uh, going in so many different directions. What that means also for the brands, what it means for who is going to be leading the pack, right? It's really going to springboard. It doesn't matter now. It almost gives equal opportunity, regardless of your Fortune 500 company or a new startup, you have yeah. an equal footing for first time on something so transformational. And we're finding a lot of companies have their ESG, SDG goals. A lot of companies want to be on the right side of history. OpenAI, who's the parent company of ChatGPT, just announced a $100 million fund to distribute to, to the population. Um, so this is definitely something that is trending right now. Hmm. What do you think, how is this going to impact the world um, years to come? Do you think we're going to finally see less poverty, more uh, more uh, opportunities for everybody to have the basic needs met and opportunity to disperse uh, education, financial means and quality of life, but also access in terms of global health and other avenues? Well, so to give a little insight into what we're building at Uplift, we've got a super app that we have built and patented, and um, it's all on blockchain. But we have components that use blockchain to get um, fresh, healthy food to more and more people. We have a component in our app that helps people learn how to start companies and start companies with other people, and we give them tools. We have a healthcare marketplace with free mm -hmm. avatar healthcare. So you can get telehealth from an avatar, and you choose the gender and the age and the accent and that you tell them as much as you want them to know about your ethnicity and your background and your health. And it can actually, using AI, interact with you just like a healthcare professional or telehealth would. And it's totally free, right? So it's one of these things where we want to use technology to help people get better, help people be more connected. But in a world where people don't need to work for money anymore, most people are still gonna want to work to make more money. It's human nature. There will always mm -hmm. be need for special specialized jobs New certifications, you know, new jobs like prompt engineer have been popping up. So people will always be able to be proactive. But if you don't need to work, that means if you want to take a month off or you want to take a few years off to be with your kids or you want to go start a club, you can do it. If you just want to go create, right? If you mm -hmm. love food, be one of the people helping the food get to the people that need it. You'll make even more money, right? But mm -hmm. so it just provides so much more opportunity. It also provides uh, the opportunity for a reallocation and redistribu redistribution of wealth, which I think, you know, mathematically, 99% of the population should want, <laughs> right? It's, you know, it's, I, I think that becomes very simple math is if 1% has most of the wealth, uh, the 99% probably would like some of that. So that's, I think, the general, the general thesis. Mm. 
Wow, wow, wow. How do we position for success? What would you say for someone who wants to do better, be involved, position themselves uh, for success? Where would you recommend for them to start? So I think anyone that's not already playing with ChatGPT should be playing with ChatGPT. It's totally free. It's so easy. The only way to get better at it is to play with it. I've seen people write books in an afternoon on ChatGPT. I've seen people create YouTube channels that they're already monetizing. Like there's so many things that people can do once they start playing with ChatGPT. And for people that like to kind of have a little bit more of the lay of the land, a little bit more instruction, any of the YouTube videos right now that have a, a substantial amount of views and comments from real people is probably something worth watching. So someone could commit to an hour of watching videos on YouTube today about how to use ChatGPT and effectively become a ChatGPT expert, you know, within the coming weeks. It's not hard. A lot of it is just treating the AIs in the ways that they should be. I always love to say please and thank you to my AI, right? It's, you know, we're setting up the future right now as early adopters of this technology, but there's really little barrier to entry for someone to just get involved, learn how to prompt, learn how to use the AIs. There's a plugin for ChatGPT called, there's an AI for that, that can teach you about all of the other 8,000 AI tools that exist right now. Anything from creating a digital twin of yourself. Um, you know, it's, the possibilities are really almost endless right now. So you can build your, you can make your own video game in a weekend for free at this point using AI, no code. So, you know, just playing with it, I think, is the best, you know, first steps for anybody. Wow. So um, when I'm wondering, as I'm watching and listening, you share this. Uh, are you going to be offering some classes or some opportunities for people? I know you have a two startups, obviously, opportunity uh, to point of entry there. But I just feel like this would be remarkably important to also have the nice hub of, of movers and shakers who really want to immerse and, 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 and do it even for greater good. Because I love that you're disrupting healthcare. It's so important important. I love that's going to give a point of entry and expertise and access uh, specifically for people that don't have that so easily readily available to them. But yet everybody in some ways and shape and form have a smartphone, no matter how far remote we might be. And then opportunity to also uh, to truly look at in smart way, how can I going to succeed as an entrepreneur? Because to me, based what you just said, this increased probability for, for example, for companies that have been struggling to actually turn around and be very successful I've and increase that percentage of success, AI right? AI create great pitch decks and websites within minutes for free. AI can create financial models and it can find grant, grant opportunities and help write the grants. So yes, uh, entrepreneurs that are using AI right now have a completely unfair advantage to any entrepreneur in the history of the world up till now. Wow. So everybody watching and listening, you guys better buckle up and get ready because 
train is going very, very fast and it's not stopping. Uh, and the best part is we have to be able to jump on it and uh, keep going because I know that so many people are fearing this and I'm seeing so much controversial articles. Yes, if we don't use as anything in the world correctly, properly for right intention can be also dangerous. So for everybody watching and listening, specifically CEOs and decision makers, and I know they're watching, uh, could you tell me, please, what would you suggest and advise them? Because fear is the, usually the biggest factor, right? That we stop and paralyze ourselves to move forward or to really open up for ideas and, and look at things differently with different possibilities. And with that in mind, uh, what would you say for responsibility around AI that you see already um, that we need to kind of... Um, better understand, but also position for. Yeah, I think I think it's inevitable that every company that's going to either remain a market leader or gain market share will be using AI heavily. So any executive, any decision maker listening to this right now that has been resistant, um, I, I, I don't think being resistant for the sake of being resistant or because this is the way we've always done things is going to serve them well at all. I think every company should have internal policies right now on what they allow AI for and what they don't, where they draw the line. If they don't want someone submitting a proposal that was written by AI, very cool. Just make sure your, your staff knows that. If you don't want someone summarizing the 150 page quarterly report because you want them to have read all 150 pages, completely understand that. Make sure that that's very known. It's the time that we need to be really proactive and just understand how we're going to use technology, specifically AI, um, mm -hmm. to our advantage, but also to avoid any disadvantages down the road, right? It's all of your competitors are using AI and if not, they will be. So you have to embrace it and just understand kind of what are your make it or break it? What's your line in the sand? Um, doing things just for the sake of that's how they've been done is not the right answer anymore. Um, you know, so that, that's my assessment. That's fantastic. It's very valuable because as anything, everybody is... Um, trying to gauge something from the comfort zone right and from place where that we do know and uh, when we explore ourselves and emerge uh, it's so important and back to now how all this beautifully tied to these amazing things you do influencing people and being creating linkedin influencers um and also obviously with the growth hacking um and i'm just curious with you obviously leveraging different media and positioning because more and more we need our experts in the field, people who gets it, who are able to be relevant with today's issues, right? And anticipate uh, what needs to be solved in the future. So what would you recommend? Because one interesting thing I'm seeing, very little visibility from decision makers is uh, on most trusted platform, which is LinkedIn, which is huge miss in my opinion, right? It's like, we wanted to hear from leaders. We wanted to see where they're at, what they're thinking, what's coming. It's not anymore hiding behind uh, brands and, and, and um, you know, white papers and articles that somebody else writes and that comes out. But what is really happening is for the ones that we see, 
uh, that are actually being visible and engaging um, not only impacts their brand and impacts their company in a different light. Do you mind sharing some of those golden nuggets that you see and why this ties so well together? Yeah, well, I think ultimately personal branding and, and company branding goes so hand in hand. And if we don't know what Apple's position on ethical AI is right now, if we don't know why Microsoft and, and OpenAI just scrapped their uh, ethics and insight team or oversight, if we don't know what who's a good market leader in another space. So I'll, I'll take Restaurant Brands International, multi-billion dollar restaurant conglomerate, Jose Sills, the CEO, he's amazing, he's on LinkedIn. We wanna know what Burger King's doing with technology, right? So if the leaders aren't speaking about these things publicly, then it gives people pause. We don't know what this company's position is, or we don't know what their next move is going to be. And this whole new world of Web3 and this whole tech renaissance that we're in demands uh, transparency as well as authenticity. So we really need to know where people are at in this new tech world. What are they embracing? What are they resisting? Who are they collaborating with, right? We don't need to know everybody's secret sauce, but we need to know where people are at in this paradigm so we can choose who to do business with and who to um, who to invest in, right? Like all of these things become really important. So the leaders that aren't talking about this front and center, talking about generative AI, talking about, you know, the perils or also the upsides or where they're, where they see it, you know, in impacting their industries, they're just not going to keep the market share, right? The, the leaders in their industry that are out there letting people know, you know th their feelings on it. Oh, sorry, it's just the wrong button. <laughs> um, but those are the people that are going to be, be building more and more um, loyalty, more and more of a, of a true loyal fan base. And, you know, we saw this in you know, the first internet, we saw this when web two kind of became a thing, although we didn't call it that with the social media and the brand building. And web three, it's even more important than ever before to really have a very clear public perception. So the people putting them out, right, they don't need to get huge engagement. They don't need to have a, a perfectly polished profile. What they do need to do is be engaging in these conversations right now because the world is watching. Mm. I'm so glad you highlighted it, Dave, because yes, world is watching and that sometimes when we don't see uh, any direction from the top, right, we start losing sense of, of their credibility and sense of transparency. And frankly, you know, we may want to go somewhere else. Where is uh, that conversation happening when we feel more connected and when we have now opportunity, not only where to spend our time, but also where to spend our money and, and, and who to invest into, right? Well, I'll give an example. Salesforce has been one of the dominant many billion dollar companies in the CRM space for decades. We don't necessarily know where they stand on a lot of this right now. I don't personally know of leadership of theirs that are having these conversations. Meanwhile, there are new CRM companies and a good example is Folk. Folk is an AI powered CRM and they have a free tier for companies that can kind of grow into being able to afford them. My assessment is that Folk will take a lot of market share from, you know, Salesforce, HubSpot, some of these others, because none of them are out there even saying, hey, we're going to be doing this or we're building towards it. Someone that has their entire database in a HubSpot per se 
might leave it in there for three months if they know in three months there's going to be dynamic fields in their HubSpot. But if they don't know that, and then they hear about this new one called Folk that has dynamic fields and AI powered, the company's going to go to the to the new one. And right all of a sudden HubSpot starts to lose millions of dollars of revenue or Salesforce starts to lose many percentage points in their market share. So had they just gotten ahead of the curve, they might not have lost any of that market share. So I think it really is important that people are just tending to their personal brands and their brand's public facing image. Mm, I love what you just pointed out because interestingly, uh, reviewing and seeing the CRMs and, and, and it's interesting when people feel like they're on the top of the world, they're leading brand and competition is far out and nothing to worry. Uh, it's, it's, it's and getting very comfortable. It's such a wrong mindset because, um, it's never, never as it what it appears. You might be feeling that way uh, today, but is it the reality of tomorrow? And when we look at how many companies let go of their talent because the growth is not there to substantiate, to substantiate uh, some high percentage of sales teams or whatever it might be, right? Uh, that tells you also the growth is not happening as fast as they would like. And what do you do when you max out? But I want to dispel some of that myth. This is this is some of the best and worst of what's happening in this world right now. We look at the tech companies that are making the big layoffs. And LinkedIn, Microsoft is one of them as well. But we look at, right, I think every tech company other than Apple has done massive layoffs. Meta, Twitter. The reality yeah. is it's not that those employees weren't producing. It's not that they didn't have the margin. They just are using technology to do all those jobs now. That's the mm -hmm. harsh reality. The vast majority of those jobs have just been replaced by AI. So Meta, who, by the way, Meta has some amazing AI they're starting to show. So does Google. But when these companies lay off 30% of their entire workforce or thousands of layoffs, we've seen companies, tens of thousands of layoffs, the vast majority of that was just replaced by AI. So when you hear people yelling and screaming, saying the AI is going to take our jobs, well, yeah, it will. <laughs> AI will take most jobs and we just need to prepare for that. That's why I'm so bullish on UBI. As long as we have some UBIs in place, then it doesn't matter if tech takes our jobs and it's going to create new jobs, right? There will always be need for human creativity, human capacity, but those jobs aren't because they're not making the money. It's because they don't need the people anymore. They had mm -hmm. hundreds and thousands and millions of data points on how to train the AI to do these jobs better. So it was very easy as soon as the technology was good enough to do these mass layoffs. And it breaks my heart because you see some of them do it with like a tweet or you know a bulk email. And ultimately, I think we can't lose sight of the fact that humanity, it has to be human first. It's literally in the word itself. But if we don't, look at humanity as a bunch of individual people that all have emotions and needs and right, all of these things, then we, then we will lose to technology. So letting tech overtake 10,000 jobs for the sake of taking 10,000 jobs away, bad move. Tech doing 10,000 jobs for people because it can do it way better and faster and now we don't have to pay them, but that money goes to help people that need it, fantastic, right? So it's just a different perspective.
I love that contrast and parallel because that is the reality that I'm seeing already. So many of my clients or just in clients in general that were being exposed to your brands that you were mentioning that we're seeing how they're shifting, changing trends. And as a result, people are panicking. So how to position in closing uh, the best way to be, to know I am not absolute. I can really uh, endure this shift in the market as individual contributor with my skill set. Because almost I'm sure people are very confused. It's like, where do I study? Which courses I enroll? Which degree I get now? Uh, how do I position? Should I do this? Should I do that? Because we're seeing different generations also feeling a little bit at loss. It's like, where, where makes more sense to invest in so that I have quote unquote security. To me right now, it's just learning how to use AI. And it's such a nascent industry. You don't need a college degree. All of the experts don't have a degree in AI because the AI that we would have gotten a degree in just came out, <laughs> right? So anyone that's an expert, I had a, a team reach out to me a week ago or so. And they said, Corey, we have a whole data science team and we've been researching who the top influencers in the world are in artificial intelligence. And they said, you're one of the top seven uh, AI influencers by our data points on LinkedIn. And I, I laughed at first, I said, I'm one of the top seven, huh? I said, I'm gonna assume I'm not number six, <laughs> right? Like if I'm top seven, that means I'm number seven, but this is absolutely a you know independent party. I don't know what data points they leverage, but for me to be considered even internally at a tech giant as one of the top 10 AI influencers in the world on LinkedIn. I've been in the world for about a year, you know, really deep with AI and playing with machine learning for a few more years than that. But the reality is I'm still new to this space, right? And I talk to people that have only been using AI less time than me and some of them know more than I do, right? We're spending time to learn these things, playing with them every day because we love it, but it doesn't take a lot. I have a company paying me a lot of money right now to come in and look at their processes and put together a tech stack of AI that can help them uh, outperform their, their competitors, right? Their hundred million plus dollar company. Um, for them to be bringing me into someone without a degree, right? That really just went all in for this industry not so long ago, tells me that anybody can do it, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't spend 30 years learning how to write a bunch of code and Python and all. No, right. I'm a, I'm a no code, low code guy. I've had, I had a tech company bring me in as an interim CTO and I helped them develop some technologies. I don't code, right? At this point, everything's open source. Everything's no code, low code. Everything's drag and drop. There's text to software. There's no code AI app creating tools. People can go make their own AIs, right? Without having to know a bit of coding. So at this point, the only thing people can do find what excites them in this world and just start learning. You don't need a degree. You don't need to pay any, you know, for any expensive classes. Um, there's a lot of free material. Most of the AI tools are free to play with at this point as well, because frankly, they want the data, they want the users, they want the traction. They want to make it sticky, you know, just like open AI. I played with them for a few months while they were free. And then when they said, pay us $20 a month and you get even more, it was a no brainer. I was excited to pay that $20 for a few days. I was looking every day, like, where can I pay? Where can I pay? Right. They got me. I'll give them $20 a month for the rest of my life. And if they raise the price, I'll happily pay it. That's where we're at in the industry right now, right? Is you can go create a photorealistic avatar of yourself in an afternoon for free. You can go play with any of these tools for free. So 
right now is just the time to learn. Mm, I love it. And I just love, again, how you uh, break down complexities in such a simple ways for everybody to be able to digest, uh, to understand. Uh, I just love how knowledgeable you are, even though you skip say, or just did a few years. I'm like, that is amazing how much already you're ahead of the game, uh, but also very generous with your time, with your knowledge and sharing so that others can break the fears and be able to walk the talk, lead uh, and and be able to live uh, with what you what you are constantly showing and exuding and with your amazing leadership. And with that in mind, I just want to ask you in the closing. Obviously, you have tremendous legacy that you already built. And I'm curious with everything that is happening, uh, what is in your bucket list, and what would you like to be known and remember for? So I'm doing a lot in Africa right now. Um, we're doing a number of projects in Kenya, Nigeria, Cameroon. Um, my bucket list place to visit, I, I finally got to Peru last year and loved it. So now my bucket list place is Ethiopia. I really want to go to Ethiopia. And if one of my legacies can be helping kind of revitalize the African economy globally and help the people of Africa actually enjoy and get to be included in the upside of a lot of the natural resources there, whether, you know, minerals. I mean, there's just so much wealth, especially the people in Africa. So I think, you know, there's thousands, thank God, thousands and thousands and thousands of us that all really want to help see Africa uh, kind of regain its position on the global stage and economy. But that, that I believe is going to be one of my legacies. And, you know, everything that I'm doing right now is for the universal and unconditional basic income as well. Um, that just needs to happen. If I'm not one of the, the people that ushers it in, great, as long as it still happens. If I am, even better, that'll be my legacy. Um, but I think that's that's really where I'm at is, you know, just getting where I fit in. Hopefully I go down in history as one of the kindest LinkedIn influencers. Um, you know, and at this point, the people I've coached have millions and millions of followers. So I think that already becomes a little bit of a legacy play, just, you know, creating a ripple effect on LinkedIn. But ultimately, UBI and anything I can do for the continent of Africa, that'll be my legacy. Oh, I love that. That is amazing. And for everyone that wants to connect, to learn, or figure out ways to work with you, where would you love, like them to go? Well... So LinkedIn has a, a, a connection limit that I've been at for some time. But if anyone listening to this mentions this show in a connection request, I'll try to make room to add you so we could be connected on LinkedIn. Um, LinkedIn really is where I spend the majority of my time. So that's probably the best place. If anyone is looking to work with me personally, I'm still doing my LinkedIn growth coaching, but I've incorporated AI as well. So now when I coach someone on LinkedIn growth, I also teach them the AI project uh, products that they should know for their industry, for their personal brand. Um, and then I help them actually create their own AI tools as well if they want them. So that's that's on the table. Um, I'm still accepting some clients. I'll probably do that through the end of the year. So there's probably six months or so left for that. Um, and just following me on LinkedIn. I, I pay attention to those that are paying attention to me. I try to love, love on them back. Um, and little known secret, the way I got my big, big influencers to love on me back in the day. All of us are on Facebook. <laughs> We're all on Instagram. We all have a Twitter. 
if you have a big time influencer and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a huge influencer yet, but I, I can probably fit the bill as well. Someone like me, if you don't have a lot of luck getting on my radar on LinkedIn, start engaging with my tweets, <laughs> start, start liking my Instagram posts. I'll totally see that. Right. So there are definitely backdoors for people to get in touch with the, the, you know, bigger names that they might look to get in touch with. That's always one that I like to do is, is find their Facebook or their Twitter and, uh, usually there's a lot less friction <laughs> to get on their, their radar there. That's fantastic. So everybody watching and listening, uh, you guys hear from Corey and his amazing advice, take an action. And I will provide some a few links on the end and uh, looking forward, having you back because this has been epic and I cannot wait what's going to happen down the road, Corey. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. You're absolutely amazing, Isabella. Likewise. Thank you for listening to Legacy Leader Show. If you enjoyed the content and had a positive experience, then please leave us a positive rating. In addition, leave us positive review whenever you are listening on whatever platform there might be. Make sure your friends and family also know about the benefit and value that we provide and what we have to offer. Cheers.